0: Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free, private Facebook community. Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. Sean Baker is a lifelong, multi-sport, elite-level, world-record-holding athlete and a medical doctor who served as a combat trauma surgeon and chief of orthopedics while deployed to Afghanistan with the United States Air Force. His focus in recent years has been on using nutrition as a tool for health, performance, and overall well-being. Through his carnivore training system and private consulting work, he has inspired countless thousands to challenge a highly flawed nutritional paradigm and opt for a
1: carnivorous
0: lifestyle instead. Dr. Sean Baker, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, sir?
1: Hey, I'm doing wonderful. Chris Nevada, thanks for having me on. I've had you guys both on my podcast, so it's kind of nice to... Turn the tables around. Looks like you're sitting outside in the beautiful sun down there, and I think you're in Florida somewhere, and, and I know Nevada's up in up in New England, up in Boston somewhere, and I, I finally got to meet Nevada in person a couple weeks ago back in Connecticut. Still haven't had the pleasure to meet you in person, Chris, but I'm sure that's only a matter of time. Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm very happy, and uh, life is good, and uh, I just got off doing my own podcast, so I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys.
2: Yeah, we're awesome. so excited that you're here today,
0: uh, Sean. Thank you so much. Well, Sean, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be pretty familiar with you, but for the few that haven't uh, had the pleasure yet, just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe five minutes of of your journey and where you came from and how you arrived to where you are today.
1: Yeah, Chris. So I am, uh, for those interested in my age, I'm 52, but I'll be 53 soon. I've been uh, a uh, physician, you know, since uh, so I went and entered medical school in the late, late 80s, I actually, it's kind of funny, I actually, so I went to college, got my undergraduate degree, University of Texas in biology, uh, wasn't really much into athletics, I mean, I wasn't working out and exercise, but I, I, I did some competitive powerlifting, but then uh, I started medical school, got about a year into it, and then I got hooked up into playing rugby, and I actually dropped out of medical school moved down to New Zealand to play rugby, and so much to the dismay of my medical school advisors and teachers, they were a little annoyed when I did that, Uh, but that's just what I wanted to do, so I ended up taking about a seven-year break um, to play rugby, then entered the military uh, to continue playing rugby, but then also my sort of day job there was a nuclear weapons guy, so I was launching nuclear bombs for the Air Force was stationed, trained out, in, out in, uh, in Vandenberg Air Force Base out in California. I went through, I guess I had to go through officer training school in San Antonio where I was a distinguished graduate. And, you know, I was just one of the kind of go-getters in in, in officer training school, was, was, was an athlete and was just, you know, just kind of a maniac there. But, uh, and then I went, so I did the nuclear weapons job for about five years and was playing rugby. And I was, you know, I was, I was about to turn, I think I just turned 30 at that point. And I was laying on the bottom of this pile, getting my head kicked in. I had blood coming out of my ears. I was like, "All right, I'm tired of playing rugby." You know, I kind of, I've kind of reached what I was going to be able to do with that. And so I decided to go back to medical school. The military was kind enough to to pay for it. So then I went back to medical school. Although it, since it had been seven years, basically you you only have like seven years to complete your whole education. So I had to basically restart. So I started a different school uh, back in Texas again. Finished that. Went on to do my orthopedic surgery residency, which was another five years, got out, got sent back to the military to, to now, you know, pay them back the time since they pay for the education. Uh, and then immediately was sent over to Afghanistan where I did, you know, all kinds of this crazy war trauma, uh, did that for, you know, five years of military medicine. And then I got out practicing civilian practice, did that for an additional five years or so. And, and then I ended up, you know, sort of switching over to this lifestyle based philosophy with diet and stuff like that. And that didn't go very well with, a surgical practice, and so I ended up um, uh, basically going in a a battle with the hospital, Uh, ended up, you know, going through a long legal battle with them, surrendered my license uh, to at the state level, and then was given my license right back uh, after they went through an independent review, Uh, and and so now I'm just uh, been a proponent of diet, nutrition, lifestyle in, you know, Preventing and, and, and in many cases mitigating disease. And so that's where I've been now And so as you guys are well aware, I've been a proponent of a you know a meat-based or a carnivorous diet And and among you know as a, as a main nutrition strategy and then I think there's a lot of other things I'm also a proponent of I'm certainly a proponent of Lifestyle in general which includes exercise and I I continued my lifelong athletic journey eventually uh, You know setting American records in powerlifting. I was a world champion in the Highland Games that set world records in that. I was a All-American track and field guy as a master's athlete. I went on to to, to take up strongman competition where I was a top five finishers at the national championships in strongman. And then I went into this indoor rowing stuff, which I've been doing for about the last five years, and I've, I have was world champion this year. I was world champion uh, for the 50-plus class, and then I've broken just m- multiple, multiple world and, and national records on indoor rowing at varying, di- varying distances. And so – that has been uh, the basis of my story. Of course, I've been active on social media. Uh, I piss off a lot of people, but at the same time, I think I've, I've sort of had a lot of people starting to question the dogma, and, and actually, have inspired some people to, uh, you know, take charge of their health with, you know, in many cases, good results, which I'm pretty pretty proud of, quite honestly.
2: So, Sean, what was your aha moment in your practice when you started to question the dogma? Was there was there a defining moment? when you realized that lifestyle played a larger role as far as nutrition?
1: Well, I mean, I started to see that in patients. Uh, you know, w- w- I mean, the shocking thing to see it, like, to see it right in your face was, I remember I had this I had this guy who was, uh, you know, he was a big guy. He was pushing 400 pounds, and Chris is no, familiar, no stranger to that. But he needed, he basically needed his knees and shoulders replaced. I mean, both of them were shot, and I was in the process of, and at this point I had already sort of, Changed my own diet and lifestyle and noticed a significant improvement going on a low carb and then a ketogenic diet. I hadn't been on a carnivore diet yet, but I was in that transition process. And the remarkable thing to me was that, you know, my goal was to have him lose weight. And I felt that a ketogenic style diet would work. And it it did. He dropped like 70 pounds in, in, in a matter of a few months, which put him at a much better, you know, favorable category for, for complications. And so we did proceed with surgeries. but the the funny thing for me was, uh, you know, I did the first surgery and I remember seeing the guy, you know, post-op day one and two and three, and he basically had no pain at all, which was unusual. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, we give him pain medications and nerve blocks and anti-inflammatories and whole, you know, using the whole package that we have now to try to try to mitigate pain. But this was something beyond that. It was like, there was no inflammation, minimal swelling, uh, I mean, he was really not having pain, and then and then we started. Then I started seeing in many patients where I would actually have people on the schedule for joint replacements because we exhausted all the other sort of you know pills and shots and physical therapy and and, and all that stuff, and, and then I started seeing people going on these carbohydrate restricted diets where I mean their pain just went away, and sometimes it was going away in absence of weight loss. I'd have them come back two weeks later where they hadn't lost. Nothing, you know, maybe a pound or two, and and then all of a sudden this nine out of ten pain was now a one or a two, and so we ended up having to cancel surgeries, and 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 then I started looking at, you know, then I started as I read more. I mean, I I, I read Talb's book, you know, Good Calories, Bad Calories, which I thought was a very uh, whether you agree with all all of his premise or not, I I, I I it it started me to question a lot of the dogma that I had been not necessarily taught. It was just what I believed. It wasn't that I had some formal nutritional training that told me this, but this was just the common sort of accepted wisdom that, yeah, you know, you need to eat low fat, you need to reduce calories, you need to lots of fruits and vegetables. And that was the key to health. And I started questioning that, you know, and, and that I think that those were the the combination of things is just kind of some of the, some of the, uh, you know, mental perception I had, and then actually seeing it play out in front of my eyes with not one or two patients, but lots of patients. And then I just started wondering about all these other things. And I started checking, you know, I'd see somebody with with things like uh, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. I said, well, I wonder what your fasting insulin is. And, and lo and behold, it was very elevated. And so I just started, you know, sort of looking at some of the theoretical stuff and finding confirmation in some of the clinical stuff. And so that's, I guess that was kind of the aha moment, you know, for, uh, what I was seeing clinically, you know, personally, I think when I, when I switched over to a more of a fat based diet, I noticed the satiety was much different. You know, the, 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 the ability to not need to eat constantly was, was, it was really refreshing to me. And so I think those were, I mean, a combination of those things are kind of what sort of set me down this crazy path that I'm on now.
0: That's awesome. Well, and Doc, we're all so uh, grateful for all of your hard work and the things that you're doing. I know you've been hugely influential in my life and literally saving and changing lives. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about like how, how do you go about turning some of these ideas into reality you know meat heels n equals many the animal nutrition network it's like you've got these flashes of like i think this could help people like tell us about like the process of of turning it into something that's actually going to be useful for for folks
1: well and this 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 goes into something that i'm hopefully going to be working you know i've said for a long time you know i think this problem with with the healthcare system in general i know nevada's part of it i was part of it there's many people in there and it's not that there's bad people. It's not that the doctors are ill-intentioned. It's just that the system is set up in a way that uh, we are just. It's just. It's you know. It, it it went from the the art of medicine 50 years ago to now to to later. You know, the business of medicine and then the healthcare system and now what I like to th- refer to as basically the disease management industry. I think that's what we really have now. We have a disease management management industry. And it's very much profit-driven, and it's very much, you know, directed at symptomatic, uh, you know, relief for for problems that are, you know, man-made problems anyway. They're not natural, natural occurrences. We're not supposed to be depressed or diabetic or arthritic. That's not supposed to happen to us, uh, you know, outside of trauma and certain other things. And so lifestyle shouldn't cause that. And so we've got this disease management industry, and so... I've, I've always longed to said, look, we've, we've got so much money and capital invested in the sort of the disease state that so now we've got, uh, you know, armies, literally hundreds of thousands and even millions, in fact, of people that are employed as, you know, radiology technicians, lab technicians, pathology technicians, certified nursing assistants. You know, you've got, uh, you know, all this, you know, uh, Paramedical personnel, not and including the physicians, that are all designed to deal with this sort of after-the-fact disease process that's occurred. And you know that's a you know a trillion-dollar industry. Uh, and and so the problem is, if we were to to even put ten percent or twenty percent of that effort into the front end of, of the disease management of the, you know, how do we get people not having disease in the first place? I mean that that would that would revolutionize. The health of the nation and the world, quite honestly. And so I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to move the needle in that direction. So that's a general way. and so then then the question becomes, well, what what's going to inspire people? And I think there's there's some 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 key components that I think about what what do we need to do to change people? I think there's a few things. I think there's knowledge, I think there's motivation. I think there's execution, and I think there's long-term compliance. And I think about what are those what are the things you need? To, to to develop those things. And, I, and I've given that a lot of thought and I've got some things where I'm going to go with this down the down the, down the road. So this is kind of a, my long-term master evil plan of saving the health of the world, you know, so to speak. But I found that, you know, for me and for many people, you know, what, what inspired me to change my diet was not reading some study. It was not, uh, you know, the scientific knowledge that I may or may not have had or the access to it that I had. It was really just just stories, you know, and I think that's so powerful. And so that's why when I started seeing these things in various social media settings, I was like, "Well, this is frustrating because it's unorganized. It's hard to find this." And so I said, "Well, let's let's just start collecting these anecdotes." And and granted, they're only anecdotes, and people will 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 make of them what they will. But they, at the same time, they're very inspiring. And we see we've seen the natural result of having that. Just that little website has probably inspired. Not only hundreds, but probably thousands and not tens th- tens of thousands of people to at least try to change things and many times with good results. And so I found that the power of story becomes very important. And, and And I know some of the research scientists will discount that and say it's not worth anything. But I will tell you, even as a practicing physician who knew far more than my patients about general medicine, I mean, I mean, there's there's no patient that's going to walk in the door that's going to know, have a better fund of general knowledge than, than the average physician, because that's what we do all day, every day long. But there are people that have specific diseases and issues. And, and like, if you're affected with a particular disease, many of, pe- many of those people become experts at it. I mean, Nevada is now an expert on caudal aquinas syndrome, which would probably rival many other people's knowledge, like the general physician. Like, if she went to the average fi- family practice physician, he would probably be able to tell her less about caudal aquinas syndrome than she could tell him. And so you have this opportunity to learn from people with, you know, like I know is it Nasim Taleb likes to talk about uh, skin in the game. So you have these people that actually have, you know, they're living this. This is actually affecting our lives. So some of them become ex- extremely important resources. So I, I think it's dangerous to discount those people. And yes, I've seen people that were just absolutely wrong. I mean, they were just absolutely wrong, misinformed. They were harming themselves and not doing the right thing. But at the same time, uh, I think there's some point in learning from that. And so I found that, uh, you know, just like we sort of, we go back and we, we, you know, us in a low-carb community, we'll look at guys like Weston A. Price or we'll look at guys like, you know, Vilmar Stefansson and say, well, look, he went out and observed this native population and look at all this valuable data he got, right? And we 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 sort of think, oh, it was 1920s and it was scientific I would argue we, we can still do that. Even looking at this online community, it's not like these people aren't actually real live human beings that aren't actually experiencing things. I think there's still value in getting that. Now, again, there's a lot of personality and drama and, and silliness that goes on social media. But at the same time, you've got, um, you know, people where you can glean information from. Just as, and I think it's just as valid as, as some of the other stuff that was out there. Now, you know, measuring and how you measure it and quantify it, are different challenges, but they're not insurmountable challenges. I mean, I just, I just conducted a survey. I got 11,000 responses on people on meat-based diets. And I mean, we got good, valuable data on there. And, And I think that's, you know, something that I think is, you know, for all the detractors I have, and I have many, I have many, many, many detractors, believe me, I hear about it all the time. I've been vilified and demonized and called an idiot and, you know, everything, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just part of the deal. And I've got pretty thick skin about that. And, you know, I've been through things in my life that are far more important than someone calling me a name or or thinking I'm stupid. I mean, that, that, that is, you know, minor stuff, but for all of that, we have impacted so many people's lives and so many people out there are sort of, you know, changing what they think. And and so I think uh, as far as, you know, you know, I'm just like, why not? You know, what, what, what? You know, we fortunately, for now, knock on wood, unless we start seeing more and more censorship and that sort of stuff. But for right now, we have this advantage that if you've got an idea, what's preventing you from trying it? You know, the worst thing that's happened is it's not going to work, right? So I mean, uh, so like when I put up meat heels, me and Mike Goldstein, I asked Mike, hey, you want to help me with the website? He was super happy to. We had good results with that. And then we did the N equals many experiment. And, you know, it was kind of crazy. I was like, hey, who wants to eat steak for 90 days? And I had like 400 people. Heck, yeah, I'll do it. And so, you know, and and then when it was all said and done, we got a little over 100 that actually participated. But we got, you know, valid data from that group. And so, uh, you know, there are, it's going to be trial and error. But, I mean, I think we're going that way. And we look at companies like Health and some of these other companies that are, you know, they're stepping outside the traditional box. And I think the problem is, the traditional allopathic medicine that we practice has led a lot of people down, And Mm -hmm. and I don't think many physicians would deny that. I think most most physicians out there that treat chronic disease would say, yeah, the system has some serious flaws and yes, we do have some victories and yes, we're helping people. And yes, we want to do the right thing. But at the same time we are doing a pretty miserable job. I mean, if we were a baseball team, I mean, we'd be in last place. I mean, we, you know, we wouldn't even batting, batting, you know, batting 100 you know it's just like for you guys to understand i don't know if you're you're a red sox fan there in nevada but i mean you know we're we're not we're not doing pretty we're not doing very well when it comes to chronic disease and so i think it's i think there is no shame in having people like dave feldman and Ivor cummins and all these people outside of the box looking and saying hey look the system's not working what, what can we do to fix it and that is something that you know i am i'm certainly trying to trying to sort of help it, help it occur. And I've got my own hurdles to jump through and hoops to get through and it's not easy, but you know, like I said, at the end of the day, I'm somebody that's, that's managed to succeed in most things I've been able to do, you know, whether it's just through sheer tenacity and, and stubbornness, but that's, that's kind of my deal.
2: Yeah. What you created is amazing because when I was Personally, uh, first looking into the carnivore diet after seeing you on Joe Rogan, I went to uh, Meat Heels and on some of the social media platforms and and looked at all of the stories and that played a huge role in building my my own confidence in starting a, a carnivorous diet and having a great result. What would you say to people that are drawn to the lifestyle but have been conditioned that saturated fat is bad? Um, calories matter have to eat whole grains need fiber and you know there's all this debate out there and they're just not sure where to start to empower themselves and feel confident in the knowledge to take on that lifestyle transformation and rebuild a good relationship with food with fitness with getting outdoors uh, with uh, human connection what would your advice be for those people
1: well, I mean, I, I I certainly empathize with folks like that because it, it is very muddy. There are people out there telling you that if you eat meat, you're going to have colon cancer and a heart attack, and there's this, this huge online sort of plant-based community out there that's putting out nonstop information. Some of it's very compelling. There's people in the middle putting out this stuff. There's there's there's, there's stuff all over the place, and so it's very uh, frustrating, and it's it's very easy to, to, to be fearful of this stuff. And I would say that, uh, you know, at the end of the day we just don't know the answer. I mean there there's just no I mean and we can't know. I mean the only way we would know the perfect diet for well I don't think we can we can know the perfect diet for humans in general because there's so many different sort of situations these persons in. I think there's some commonalities we're all the same species and I think we generally You know, can eat a certain type of diet. I mean, I think there's clearly things that we know that are not good for us. I mean, no one would argue, if we want to use an evolutionary argument, which I think is valid, I mean, no one would say that we had Twinkies and Doritos and Coca Cola and and canola oil. I mean, that just didn't exist. So, I mean, we can pretty much say that that is not part of the human diet. And so then you can argue, well, how much plants, how much meat and stuff like that. Um, I think that's a valid argument. I think that's something that, you know, we're ultimately never going to really know the answer to that. We can only speculate. And so, at my point is that, you know, if if you're going to make a dietary change and you do it for, you know, say three months, which I think is an adequate trial, I mean, there's not really much of a downside for trying something for three months. If you want to do a plant-based diet for three months, hey, go ahead, fine, knock yourself out, have fun. If it works, it works great. But equally, if you want to do a meat-based diet, I think that should be on the table too. And I think the the data out there that shows that saturated fat is associated with cardiovascular. Disease. I mean, we don't have any. You know, when we talk about science and level of of evidence, there's no randomized controlled trials, double-blind randomized controlled trial, of sufficient length and duration which show an actual endpoint that would that would point to this is causing disease. In fact, we have. I mean, again, historical populations of, you know, groups that were eating meat-based diets that were by almost all accounts of people that actually encountered them back in the day when they were doing that, was these people are in very good health. So, I mean, you know, there's been some revisionist history and stuff like that 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 comes out there from people that are kind of propaganda and agenda-driven. They'll dispute some of that stuff. But, I mean, the vast majority of the literature on that shows that these populations were healthy, robust, free of disease. You know, I mean... You know, they might have been exposed to some of the hazards of indigenous tribes, like like infection and trauma and stuff like that. But in general, the, the chronic diseases that you and I experience, the diabetes, the cancer, the heart disease, wasn't something that was regularly featured in their populations. And so, I mean, I, I don't see, you know, like I said, if you're going to go on a, say a carnivore diet and you're and you you're sort of say, well, my strategy is I'm going to eat steak and eggs for, you know, three months. I mean, three that there's nothing really negative that's going to potentially happen to, 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 to anybody doing that outside of a few extremely rare possibilities. But I mean, for the most most part, there's not much downside. You might learn a whole lot. And, and I think it's just something you should be, I, I think the, the state of nutrition science is such that we just don't know. And, and the people that say it's settled or there's consensus is it's really disingenuous. And we really have to sort of try it yourself. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, try it and and see how you do. And and most people that try it are quite surprised by how well they do do. Now, as far as, you know, the, the different particulars about it, you know, we talk about saturated fat. I mean, most of the evidence out there shows that saturated fat really has no impact on cardiovascular disease outcomes. If you look at some of the modern research, I mean, there's some older studies where people made assumptions based on you know, certain population uh, that they looked at, which which might not have been appropriate for you and I. Uh, there was, you know, the, the calories thing. I, I I'm not in the I, I I believe it or not. I'm not a person who thinks calories are are irrelevant. I think there's still a relevance to calories, but I think certain diets are going to lend itself to, you know, how we partition those calories, how much we burn. You know, appetite, satiety—all those things are impacted by what the food composition is, and it's not only the macronutrient composition, but it's also the micronutrients which make a difference. And so, I think, you know, like I said, what I found with a carnivorous diet is it—it it naturally regulates your appetite to where, you know, you can. And I know, Chris, you're a big—you know, I, I coined this intermittent feasting. I know you've been a big advocate of that, and you like to go to you know, Brazilian barbecue and eat, you know, load up one night and then you only eat for once every 24 hours and you've lost 220 some pounds doing it that way. And I think, again, I think when we look at, you know, what actually works in human beings, free living human beings is different than what what works in the lab. And so we have to sort of, you know, be honest with what people are going to be dealing with day to day. We can't lock everybody up in a metabolic ward and, and control everything that goes in and out of their body because it's, it's, it's going to vary. And so, I, I think that uh, uh, it's it, it's it's just more nuanced than than straight up calories in calories out. I think for sure. Do I think calories can make a difference? I think if I were to if I were to hold Chris down and force feed the guy, you know, even the best tastiest steak in the world beyond his satiety, and I did that regularly, you know, you gain weight. I mean, I think that would happen. But I mean, the the nice thing is we have this thing called an appetite, which for many of us sort of becomes regulated when you eat the right food. So I think, uh, you know, what you eat is the most important thing. And then beyond that, you know, it goes into how frequently, what time of day you eat, you know, macronutrient, you know, partitioning and all that stuff. So it's, it's really what you eat, which makes the biggest difference.
0: Right, right. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Doc, I was wondering, so one of the things we talk about a lot on this show is kind of reinventing yourself. You know, here we are, we're in our forties, you're in your fifties, you're killing it. You are setting the pace, uh, in, in, in life and in business and, in, in, in physique and in strength. What would you say to, you know, the average person listening at home who feels like, I don't know, I'm 40, I'm 50, you know, maybe that chip has passed. Maybe I'm, you know, truly, truly I'm over the hill. Like what would be your advice to them?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as far as reinventing myself, I mean, there's, there, there are elements of who I am who I've always been. I mean, I'm, I've always been this sort of crazy obsessed athlete, you know, and, and, and that's never going to go away, but I mean, you know, obviously I've had some things in my life where, I mean, if you had asked me 10 years ago, what I would be doing, you know, even 20 years from now, I would probably be, you know, working as an orthopedic surgeon operating on people. I'd, I'd have just done my 50,000th operation or something like that. And, you know, that would be my prediction. And then obviously some some changes in my life occurred where I was kind of, you know, it's kind of like sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. And so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you have things that happen to you life-wise and you're like, okay, well, I have got to do something different now. Um, and that was kind of forced upon me. So, I mean, some of that is not just really this sort of, special trait i had it was just you know it was either sink or swim and there's a lot of people that would have gone through what i went through and not come out very well a lot of a lot of physicians you know they end up unfortunately committing suicide over some of this stuff and so um you know so i i find that you know you have the power to do a lot more i mean if you're if you're you know and i think health is one of the biggest challenges many people face. It's it's so common i mean chris you've gone from you know 500 plus pounds obviously clearly not in a good position to where you are now, which is so much better and, and are still going in Nevada you were I mean again same thing necessity to you I mean you were somebody that was facing potential lifetime disability and you know partial paralysis and so you know you had this sort of event that comes on you, and, you know we see these a lot of these people that reach greatness and they, they you see they come from this great adversity. they have these great, Traumatic events or horrible childhoods, and then they rise up out of that. And so some of that's just, you know, it's character building. But I think, you know, you don't necessarily have to have that happen to you. And for, and hopefully most people don't have that happen to you because it pretty much sucks. I mean, you know, I'm sure Nevada was I'm as as happy as you are now and as glad you've discovered it. You would have probably rather never had that, you know, that that ruptured, you know, disc. I mean, you would have rather so I could I could have, I could have skipped that part of my life. I mean, I would have I would have not. Done that. If I if I could have gotten where I am now without that, I would have gladly chosen that. And the same thing with me, because I would like to say, I wish I could have just figured this out on my own and not not required some sort of sort of disruption in my life to get there. But that sometimes has to be the case. Um, but I think that you know, there's nothing. You know, the biggest obstacle is often ourselves. I mean, that's just it. I mean, that is the biggest obstacle, and we are we are used to. Uh, accepting mediocrity, we are used to accepting failure, uh, and and we just kind of resign ourselves, so that we become like helpless, you know, the blind fish. You know, it's because we're we never see the lights, so we lose our eyes, and so that 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 happens. It doesn't have to be that way, and sometimes it takes, um, you know, a kind of a singular focus, uh, and it often comes at a price. I mean, for me to do some of the things I've done, I've had to make sacrifices in other areas of my life. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you realize that, you know, I think it's, it's, it depends on how important it is to you. I think, I think living a life that is free of pain and disease and suffering is, is an important aspiration. I think most people should have that. Now, for some people, um, in order to get there, they have to sacrifice Quite a few things, and and then it becomes a question of well, is life enjoyable for me? So I think you have to you have to find a point where you know like do I do I pursue this to the to the to the to the absolute maximum and then I sacrifice all these other things? And 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 for so many people the answer is, no, that's not the best thing. But I, I do think that getting. You know, to a point where you can, you know, that you can make a difference. That that's the biggest thing. You do have the power to make a change, even if you're wheelchair bound. I mean, there are people out there. We see them all the time that are athletes competing. I had a guy on my podcast, Rob Jones. I mean, he went to Afghanistan, lost both of his legs, above knee amputations. I mean, the guy came back and was on the U.S. Paralympic rowing team. He rode his bike from one end of the United States to the other. He ran something like 30 marathons in 30 days. Without legs, I mean, and so, you know, you, you see what's possible, and, and and humans can do almost anything if we if we put our mind to it. But I mean, it's 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 something that you've got to figure out what's going to inspire you to get there. I know there's uh, some people that talk about I can't remember the name Eric, Eric Thomas I think's his name. He's I don't know if you've ever seen him speak. He's a pretty inspirational guy, but he talks about what finding your why. Why do you want to do something? And, and I think that's what you've got to do, and you got to paint it on your door or put sticky notes up or whatever to, to, to inspire you to do this. And then I think at some point, you know, you get into this positive feedback loop. So many of us are in this negative feedback loop where we are, you know, we just negativity breeds more negativity. And then then you become this apathetic helpless type of type of person, then you're kind of out of the game, but you can get out of that. And you can, you know, and and one thing I found with carnivore diet in particular is it seems to impact not only our physiology, from you know we feel better like you probably know both you guys know say I start feeling better then you start to sort of dig yourself out of the hole you see a little bit of light of hope and you start to feel better then you start to incorporate now I can you know now I can do things I can do things with my body whether it's exercise or or just um you know positive type things whether it's you know some kind of activity that you enjoy or inspiring other people so I think that's that's been very very important I think like I said Nutrition underpins a lot of this stuff, and so I think that's uh, it's tough to be a high-functioning person on a poor diet. That's for sure. And I think once you start, you know, there's some basic things. I know Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs is is you know at the bottom, and I'm I'm sure some of you guys are familiar with that. But one of those things is 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 food. And I think that's you know sleep, food, you know, uh, you know, oxygen, you know, shelter, clothing. Sex, breathing, all those things are important at the bottom. But one of those main things is food. And if you don't have that um, dialed in correctly, you're going to have a hard time building beyond that. So you got to start with the basics. And once you start covering the basics, that allows you to kind of expand and grow and and, and do all these sort of great things that you might want to accomplish.
2: That's awesome. And I actually had a um, follower question on Instagram wanted me to ask you. What goes into preparing uh, for competing in a world champion rowing competition, Uh, your mindset and how you built yourself up uh, to compete? Do you use visualization um, as a technique or um, what's kind of your your procedure?
1: Yeah, I mean, that is something and and I've done this in a lot of different sports over the years. You know, it's it's fun to have an opponent, you know, Uh, you know, like I said, there's there's. Like when I was, uh, when I first broke the world record and the guy who had it was this big guy, big German guy that was up, he was a German ex shot putter that lived in Norway, big guy, 270 pound monster guy. And he's the nicest guy in the world, right? I mean, I've talked to him many times, we're, we're friends online and stuff like that. But at the time I looked at the guy and said, I can beat you. You're, you're a big, ugly dude. You know, I mean, it's just anything to sort of, you know, give myself something to go against. And, you know, because... That is, you know, what what you know, always having having some sort of opponent can 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 be inspiring and inspires me. You know, I I talked about this with Zach before, and I think maybe that's unique to the to the more strength and power of sports is having this sort of challenge. And you know, it's like if he can do it, there's no reason I can't. I mean, he has two legs and two arms just like I do, and it's just a matter of who has a bigger heart and who has a bigger willpower and who's willing to train harder. And so. A lot, a lot of things for me. I'm, I'm just willing to work hard. I mean, I've, I've always, for any shortcomings I've had, I've been able to sort of uh, overcome that with work, work capacity, work effort, and that's something that maybe was instilled in me by grandfather, father, and just hardworking guys. And so I'm just like, hard work will get, get you a lot of what you know that we talk about, you know, hard work beating talent. All you know, a lot of times, and so. I I, I I don't mind the hard work. In fact, I relish the hard work. I kind of look forward to it. Bobby Knight often said, I don't know if you guys know from me, but Bobby Knight, he was a coach of the Indiana Hoosiers and then later later in his career went out to different teams like Texas Tech. But And, and when I grew up in high school, I, I was in Indiana, and our coach was a Bobby M- M- Knight disciple, which really sucked for us because they, they would run you into the ground. It was just like you know basketball practice in Indiana at that time for, for a guy who, who idolized Bobby Knight was you know, you basically abuse your athletes until they, you know, either they either quit or they succeed. And so, uh, you know, he would say, you know, everybody has the will to win, but not everybody has the will to prepare to win. And so I enjoy the preparation. I enjoy getting in there and not just competing. I mean, the compete, the competing is just a a sort of, you know, the end of the day, the last thing, the cherry on the, on the top, but I mean, building the entire Process is what I really enjoy, and so I, 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 for me, like when I won the world championship this year. And quite honestly, I won, but I won by a lot. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't that pleased because I, I ended up slipping off the seat. And my time wasn't where I wanted to be, but I still won by a mile. But I mean, I was just like, I, I really know what I'm capable of, and I want to do that. And so, uh, but for me, I mean, it's it's really been at this point, you know, in my 50s, it's been a lifetime of doing this stuff over and over consecutively over the years, consistently. And so, when you get into these age-related sports, I mean, hell, I mean, most of your competition at some point, your all your competition's dead, and so that gets nice when you get in the 70s and 80s. But even in the 50s, most of the guys in your 50s are, you know, they've already succumbed to type 2 diabetes or hypertension. You know, I mean, you're, you, the, the the pool of healthy people just goes down lower and lower. Now, fortunately, I'm still competing at a level where I'm as, I'm competitive with the guys that are still in their 20s, which you know, I'm I'm pretty pleased to and proud of that fact. So I'm still got the physiology to hang with the young guys even, but, um, you know, I find that, uh, for me, it's just been a, you know, it makes it easier for me that, um, I don't have to do too much special to get ready. It's a little bit of fine tuning and focus around a particular event, but I, but year round I stay prepared. I'm always doing jumping and sprinting and lifting weights and, 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 you know, doing stuff that I, that I just have fun with. And it's just because I like, I like my body to have all these different capacities to do things, and so I, I've 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 kind of done that for literally decades now. I mean I mean I've been I've been out running sprints for thirty thirty years. I've been lifting weights for forty years. I've been jumping and and stuff like that for decades, and so all those things that make you a good athlete, I've just done. I just I just kind of do them. It's kind of like brushing my teeth for me. It's like you know once a week. Like okay, I need to do some jumping, and 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 that's what I've done to prepare and just keep myself prepared so that I can go into really any sport where I have a reasonable chance I mean I can go back out like I, I like I won the Highland games world championship in 2010 I haven't thrown in five years or more when I, yeah about five years is the last time I threw anything I know that I could I could walk into a highland games next week and you know maybe well maybe practice for two weeks and then I could walk into a highland games and I could win you know certainly my age without without anything because I've just maintained that physical capacity and it's just a matter of Doing those things, So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, not the preparation for the, the event itself. It's, it's a lifetime preparation and just, it's just kind of staying there. And I enjoy, I enjoyed doing that. That's awesome.
0: So doc, what, uh, what are you excited about these days? Is there anything that's really caught your interest that you've been learning about, you've been digging, doing a deep dive into?
1: Um, you know, I'm excited about the potential for making a huge impact uh, in in this in this sort of prevention aspect. I think that is that is really the game changer. You know, we've got a we've got a, a you know a presidential election, political election coming up, and you know we we always hear the same thing: how are we going to pay for health care? We going to go to single party payer, or you know you know the insurance companies and private. And I mean, we we hear that over and over ad nauseum. but You know, none of that really makes much of a difference when when we're talking about big picture. You know, it may, it may, you know, yeah, maybe a slightly percentage, higher percentage of people have access to the modern healthcare system, which as Nevada knows is just handing out pills and doing surgeries, which really is not benefiting people. And so I think I think we're going to hopefully through technology and some other areas maybe finally make a significant dent in the health. And like I said, I've kind of transitioned to calling our system disease disease management industry and maybe just completely like saying, okay, there's your disease management industry. Go there if you want to. But here's this other option. Here is this health creation industry or health creation facility that we have that we can maybe get significant people, because I think there's enough people out there. And particularly with the advent of social media and podcasts and the way we're getting information differently that there's enough people that are like, look, I really don't want to go to the doctor. I mean, I don't, I don't, I probably never go. I mean, I literally, as a physician, the only time in my life I've ever gone to the physician was when I was forced to my, my employer for an employment screening. It's the only time I've ever gone to the doctor. I just don't use a healthcare system. For me, it is a complete, it has no value to me. Now, if I'm in a car accident, and I break my femur. Yes, I want to go there. But, for the most part, I'm much better and happier not to be participating as a, as a, as a patient, you know, and, and, and you know, knock on wood, I'll be able to stay that way for a long period of time. But I do think there is a tremendous value uh, and market opportunity for a much more robust prevention type of thing. And this is something that hopefully I'll be stepping into. And with the aid of a lot of like-minded people, I think we can really move the needle. Uh, and I, I do think that, that some of the technology out there is going to kind of open up the the way for that and make it accessible for more people. Because right on, right now, you know, like I said, even if I was back in the allopathic medicine system and I wanted to make a big difference from a prevention standpoint, there's very little financial incentive for me to do it. The system is not set up for that. Uh, There's just not much to offer people. You know, you can talk to people, but then you can't support them. And I think they need to support. And I think, like I said, this is something that like I said, more to come on this over the next maybe year or so uh, that, that I'll, be, I'll be doing that. So that's where I'm kind of looking at. So I've got something that, you know, if, if things turn out like I hope they do in five years, this will be a very different landscape where we are. But we'll see what happens.
2: So just to follow up with that, what would be your advice to your peers that are in the healthcare system now that want to make a difference?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a that's a that's an interesting one. I, I think that uh, I think you know don't be afraid to step out of the box. There are alternatives. I mean, there are ways you can use your passion. The reason most of us went into the healthcare industry was to actually help people. I mean, yeah, it's a living and it's a job, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of frustration that comes in that. But I mean, you know, like I said, it's if you don't like the the way the game is being played, you can take your talents and your skills and play a new game. I mean, there's no, I mean, like I said, you know, fortunately, like particularly in the United States, we live in a place where we still have those opportunities. And I think you know, a lot of physicians are discovering that uh, you know, they don't have to sort sort of do the the, the the standard, you know, what what is expected of a doctor. You can you can do a lot more things. I mean, you are a very valuable, talented, intelligent, Often passionate and driven person, and you don't have to sort of channel that stuff into you know it's like banging your head against the wall and trying to push you know you're trying to you're trying to bang your head against the wall to to push push a hole in it. I mean maybe maybe you just walk outside the door and get outside you know rather than trying to get out that way. And so there are there are you know like I said there are things out there and and there are a lot of physicians that are and it doesn't have to be physicians it can be you know like I said pharmacists or whatever uh massage therapy guys i mean there's a lot of different ways that you can you can impact things and so i i I would i would let your imagination run wild and pursue some of these things and look into it and 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 chances are somebody's already doing it somebody's already done it so the model's out there it's the same thing with these you know like i said just to use the analogy of these meat-based diets i mean people have already done it people have already tried it you know it's like it's like come on in the water's fine we're already here swimming we know what it's like so we can inspire more people to do that. And I think we're seeing more and more physicians and you know other healthcare providers that are saying, "Hey, look, I can I can still help people and do something outside of, you know, the insurance industry and the the coding and the the typical you know, healthcare like I said disease management industry. So I'm going to I'm going to call it you know, for the future.
0: Awesome. Well, Doc, we are behind you. We believe in your vision, uh, whatever we can do to support you, you know, just just ask. Thank you so much for coming on today. Let, um, for those who don't know, let our audience know where they can find you.
1: Sure. So let's see, where am I at? I'm kind of, a, so on social media, I'm, I've got a fairly popular Instagram account. It's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, 1967, uh, I'm fairly active on Twitter still with S Baker sbakermd. Uh, I am the administrator of the World Carnivore Tribe on Facebook, although I don't participate as much as I probably should. I've got a YouTube channel. It's just Sean Baker. Uh, I talk about I put out videos, I don't know, once once a week or so. Um, and then uh, I still have sean-baker.com as a website. And then I've got some other things coming down the pike. So, and then I've got my book coming out. Yeah, I forgot about that. I've got my book, The Carnivore Diet, which will come out in, it's going to be released in November finally. So I know somebody's been waiting for it. It's been on pre-order. So I think it's available on Amazon. Hopefully it'll get out there and impact a lot of people and, and be well distributed, you know, because hopefully, like I said, that'll allow me to do, if, if I can, you know, if the book sells well, it'll allow me to do some of these other things that I really want to do, you know, because like I said, everything I want to do requires some amount of, some amount of funding to do that and so these are some of the things that that will allow me to sort of you know make the impact that i that i ultimately want to make
2: and sean are you also doing um some consultations because i saw on your website you had some consultations and you have a carnivore training program
1: oh yeah yeah so there's the, the carnivore training system which is more geared for workout we do touch on diet and that but it's more just a generalized Uh, you know, it's not a specific for bodybuilding or powerlifting, but it's a generalized what I think are the things that people should be doing for health when it comes to exercise. So it's a pretty, the the program was designed, you know, like I said, I've trained with all kinds of gold medalists and world champion athletes and been a champion in those perspective sports. So I've kind of combined the best from all of those sports using things that I think are not only effective, But are both efficient and then more importantly very safe and so a safe effective efficient way to reach various components of health goals or fitness goals which i think are important which include strength hypertrophy conditioning you know the ability to 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 move appropriately so those things are all there and then yeah i am doing some consultations um these are not medical consultations these are more diet lifestyle coaching type of things i can you know people last met their labs and i can give them general information about that and you know, and, you know, of course you have to talk to people about, you know, these medications are things that you may need to, to have adjusted. You'll have to talk to your physician about that. But many people are asking me about how to employ diet, what things, what things are effective, which ways, you know, what, because there's a lot of, there there can be a lot of nuance. As simple as it is, some people have, have a a hard time really conceptualizing it and they have concerns. And then the other thing is what honestly some people just need, just need the motivation and they need the, uh, you know, the, the kind of ha- a little bit of handholding and, and, and it's something that it's, they need reassurance from somebody that's done their bend that and it's fairly knowledgeable. And so that's kind of what I offer to people. And so that's, um, I think I've got, uh, you know, I, my email is just Dr. Sean Baker consulting at gmail.com if you're interested in that. And so I usually, it's usually 15, 30 or 60 minute sessions. And, uh, uh I've really enjoyed, I really enjoy interacting live with people. Uh, you know, I per- certainly and I do that mostly over the internet either phone call Skype Zoom typically. Uh but that has been something that I that I do regularly. I'm not sure how much longer I'll be able to do that depending on how busy I get with stuff, but as long as I can I can do that, I do that, you know, fairly frequently at this point.
0: Awesome. Well, Doc, thank you so much. This was fantastic. I think people are really gonna appreciate this episode and uh Continued success and luck with everything that you're working on. We're behind you.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Proud
0: affiliate of Redmond Real Salt, the best tasting and most mineral-rich salt on the market without the microplastics and other issues of conventional salts. See the show notes for 15% off your order.
2: Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.